Are you holding off on training your loan partners, your loan assistants, your team members and support staff on how to wow your clients? Are they getting that kind of training from you? You probably plan on training them if you get a few extra hours, but when does that happen realistically? And meanwhile, your team is doing the best they can with the information that they have. But you know, this kind of training really doesn't exist anywhere else. When you do the training, that means you're not as responsive as you want to be with your clients and you're not hitting your closing and income goals as a loan officer. So how much is it costing you to not have a team that's properly trained how to wow clients and referral partners so that they only want to work with you because of the great experience that they're getting? We teach them how to use efficient step-by-step processes and systems that work how to follow up so nothing falls through the cracks and loans close on time and even early, how to build wonderful relationships with clients, how to wow people so they go, man, that was an amazing experience. The members of his or her team are amazing. They're so on it. How to use scripts and dialogues for winning clients, setting expectations and communicating with clients so that you can prevent problems down the road how to handle difficult clients, how to make clients feel appreciated and valued, and how to handle and overcome objections. It might be time to ask for some help. That's why we're here. Loan Team Training has our next live WOW training coming up. We train your team for you so you can focus on closing loans. Check it out at LoanTeamTraining.com for our next class and see how many five-star reviews we have from past WOW training participants and their loan officers who sent them at LoanTeamTrainingReviews.com. Remember, it's an interactive virtual training with live trainers, and we train any of your support staff that is communicating with clients and referral partners. Our sessions are 9 to 11.30 Pacific time. Check us out and sign your loan partner or team member up at LoanTeamTraining.com. And welcome to the Loan Officer Team Training Podcast. My name is Irene Duford, and I'm your host. And I'm really excited to have a really good friend of mine and someone that I really enjoy talking to and having conversations with and coaching, actually. His name is Tom Pesimir, and he's out of Virginia and Florida and Washington. Right, Tom? (laughs) That's right. Thanks, Irene, for having me. It's great to be here. Really excited to have you. And it's always so fun talking with you, Tom, because you're such a great relationship builder. And that's really one of the subjects that I really want to talk about. So what what happened in your life that you had so many opportunities to, you know, you could go either way, but you ended up being a real relationship builder in the mortgage business. So first, tell us how you started in the mortgage business, and then we'll get into how you build those relationships, okay? Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Irene. Well, gosh, I came from a a family of small business owners. My parents owned a couple of restaurants in Washington state, begged my dad for a job when I was 14 and a half. Kind of never looked back. I've been working ever since. As far as the relationship side of things goes, I feel like it kind of came from just my roots, my family. Uh, My grandpa owned a bunch of businesses. He's still around, still in business, still active. Just the the whole family thing, I think, you know, you kind of are raised in that, you get steeped in that, and you kind of see how how people sort of grow and live and how you feed your family. And it was all about just doing the right thing, taking care of people. You know, sales is kind of just finding a need and filling it, you know, it's not jamming stuff down people's throats. And people can sense when you're out for their interests over, you know, over your own. And I think, you know, you just do a good enough job. And then you ask for referrals and it's crazy how well it works since being in the freedom club about three and a half years in now, I feel like it's been a constant journey of learning how to, how to make the ask. They say, just ask, like it's a really simple thing (laughs) and it, it, it kind of is, but it's not necessarily easy. Right. So for me, that's been really big, but developing relationships. I, I love people. I just, I love hanging out with people. I love, finding those needs and helping people fill them. 
I think it's just come naturally, but it's also something I work on. I read a lot of books. I have my coaching calls with you. I spend money on, you know, going to events, whether it's Freedom Club events or, you know, other big things that I can just become better. I think I heard this quote a long time ago. It said the best money you spent is, is the money that you invest in yourself. Yes. And I think that helps you be better for other people too. And I think spending money, investing in yourself is a wise choice because what it does is if you take a percentage of what you're what you're making and you figure I'm going to reinvest that into my business which means also working on yourself because when you work on yourself you work on your business when you work on yourself you work on your relationships when you work on yourself everything happens right oh it's so true yeah yeah definitely well you're a real connector that's what I love about you that's one of the things that I just love about you is you're always finding ways to connect people. Even on our coaching calls, sometimes we're talking about something and you go, oh yeah, let me connect you with so-and-so or let, you know, I'm going to make sure that I give your name to so-and-so and you're really, really good at that. And you've been in a lot of networking in a capacity of networking and leadership and things like that. So tell us a little bit about your roots as far as networking goes. Well, I, networking is, you know, again, finding needs and filling them, I think. So just keeping my ears open when I'm talking to people, people tend to refer business to those they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And something I learned a long time ago, watching my, my dad and, you know, the restaurant business and my grandpa and his businesses in terms of networking, it's, I guess in terms of mortgage, it's maybe a little bit less traditional of a way of finding business. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I network with financial planners. I network with attorneys, with CPAs, realtors, of course, that's our bread and butter, but I mean, I get a lot of business from those other categories as well. I don't prejudge individual people when I'm in a business group with them together. Like we would filter, you know, realtor relationships by the number of, you know, closed buy size that, they, that they're doing in a calendar year, simply because we don't want to go after those agents and ask them for business and frustrate them because they don't have business to give us, right? Yes. But, but we're solving different needs for those people. And so just being there... And, and being more of an ear than a mouth, you know, and, and just kind of listening to those needs. Um, that's been really helpful for me. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one business meetings with people that you might look at and go, you know, as a mortgage guy, this might not be a place where I'm going to get a lot of business. But I, I try to be careful about spending too much time in that arena, but I do spend time in that arena and I get referrals from all kinds of crazy places, whether it's, you know, people that have served in the military that community is really tight knit. You know, one referral source has been amazing. Mary Kay rep, who would have thought? Hairstylists, salon owners, all kinds of just small business owners that, you know, are really, they have a great relationship with their staff and they just, you know, when you have a chance to work with them and they find out how good you are and you tell them that you're really looking for referrals, it's crazy how big a mouth some of these people have in a good way. <laughs> it's true. And if you don't ask them, they don't, they just think you're a successful business owner and you don't really need their business. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you yeah. ask then outside of agents right now, just other types of business owners, the, the B2B business to business, how do you ask for those referrals? Uh, what's your dialogue? What's your, the way you do it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it, it really morphs, I think, with every conversation. And I don't just go straight for the kill either. You know, when I'm sitting down with a, a financial planner, which is a big source of business for me, you know, a lot of times those people have have clients that, well, I think all the good successful financial planners have clients that really need somebody like us in their corner. So one of the things that I've been leading with lately is, you know, saying, hey, you know, how many of your clients maybe if you could free up a little bit and again, finding needs and filling them, right? Yes. If we could free up some cash flow in, you know, their monthly situation for some of these clients that really want to invest and, you know, expand on their, their future looking, mm -hmm. what would that look like? And the, especially the ones that have equity in their homes, that's kind of being held hostage by these higher interest rates that we've been dealing with lately. So they don't necessarily want to advise them to refinance their homes completely. What would it look like if maybe we were to help them with a home equity line of credit? Mm -hmm. And as a mortgage broker, we've got access to home equity lines of credit for all occupancy types, which is pretty unique in the market. So, you know, then you start looking at other places like, okay, well, what about banks and credit unions? They can usually only offer those on primary homes. 
well, maybe go and help them fill in some blanks there. I do the same thing with real estate agents that are qualified, that are doing a lot of buy sides, that have a relationship already with a lender. I'll reach out to them and say, you know what? Hey, as a broker, I've got a lot of different programs that other lenders don't have. I'm not looking to come in here and try to snatch up all of your business from people that have earned your trust, but maybe I can help you close another three or five or more deals a year. And that's how we start. A lot of mm -hmm. times we don't stay there, but that's how we'll start. Just getting our foot in the door, getting that crack. Was it always easy, Tom, for you to ask for business? No, it still isn't. <laughs> it still isn't. Because you're a giver. Feel. Yeah, I think I think it's that. And it's it's also, that's probably most of it. But I think just there's that that fear of failure that we all kind of have in the back of our minds. Uh -huh. That, you know, somebody's going to be like, no, you idiot. I'm not going to send you any business which nobody's ever said to me. Nobody's ever done that. That's right. But <laughs> yeah, it feels like it sometimes. I don't know about, about you, but I know for me, when I get, it's that first call that's the most difficult one. One of the books I read a while back is called The Motivation Manifesto by uh, Brandon Burchard. Uh -huh. Really good book. Um, they have it in Audible and, and everything too. And there was one version that was really hard for me to follow, but one version really, really stuck for me. And the idea being, with motivation, it doesn't just happen. You have to put the first foot in front of the other in order yes. for it to kind of have that catalyst to get you going. And then once you get going, it's not that big of a deal. The second call, third call, fifth call comes a lot easier. So having the calls kind of teed up, the research out of the way, getting into those calls really makes a big difference. And same with having meetings with people. If you have a dry spell where you're not having meetings with people for a while, it's crazy how much how much slower those words can come out of your mouth in a way that sounds decent versus, you know, if you're meeting people on a regular basis, networking groups is a big thing that's been big for me, getting up in front of people on a regular basis and, you know, spitting out a 30 second, almost elevator pitch on, on what you're doing and what kind of business you're looking for keeps you sharp. So when you're in front of those conversations that really matter, yes. it comes out a lot smoother. It does. I remember being a, we started a BNI group in our, a, a chapter and I, I didn't want to be the president, but I became the vice president and it was really fun. It, they have great training and you yeah. always have to ask for, you know, let them know what you're looking for. The kind exactly you know, a good referral for me is, you yep. know, and it's great. It, it was really great training and it was a great experience. The area that I was in didn't take off too well, but that was just because of the area I was in, I think. It wasn't in a city. It was more in a small community. But I really enjoyed the training and I enjoyed learning how to ask better in front of people at the time. That was a long, long time ago. So it was, yeah. it was a good experience. I thought it was good. It's great training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did BNI for about five years. I'm in a different brand of referral group in the Richmond, Virginia market. They're all great. I mean, they're, they're, they all have merit that, you know, can really be great. Also there, are, you know, organizations too, like, like Kiwanis, you know, some of the ones that are more charity based, those can be really good also for um, getting out, you know, whether it's generating business or whether it's just to give, you know, they, they say that, um, you know, people that are, that are givers tend to get more back but only if they're not looking for it. Like if they're giving, yes. to get, it doesn't work. Right. Cause it just doesn't feel authentic. Right. When you're a it giver, it doesn't not. feel authentic. If you're giving just to get, right. it, just, it just doesn't. But when you give to give, that's when you get it back. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So going back to asking for business, some people that listen to this might be veterans and, you know, this isn't an issue for them to ask. And other people might be a little bit newer to the business and asking is still difficult or even asking, even if they've been in the business for 20 years, it's not always easy to ask. So one of the things that I've noticed for that I've seen in coaching people and in my own business and also people that I train in the training company, the teams of the loan officers is teaching them that when we ask, we're really giving because what happens is if, if we change how we look at it, we change our mindset, change the frame, right? Frame it up differently and say to yourself, when I ask for business, I'm really helping people because they're going to come to me or to you and they're going to get an amazing experience and a great loan and it's going to be a great thing for them. But if you don't ask and they end up with someone else that doesn't treat them the right way, 
then really you've done them a disservice. Yeah, you've told me that exact same thing a few times in coaching calls, Irene. And it's <laughs> true every time. You're, you're exactly right. It's it's a little bit of a mind shift that you have to make. That's a really good thing to say to yourself before you start making those calls too, because yes. it's true. I think it's really important to have that mindset when you're in sales, because really, especially if you're a giver, because givers have a hard time asking. That's just the nature of the way, you know, they're naturally that way, unless we're working at it. And so if we're very intentional about making sure we're telling ourselves that before we get on the phone or before we have a meeting, we're really doing them a, a service by asking because they're going to get a great experience. Now, if you don't give a great experience, then of course, you're not going to feel comfortable asking, but, but that does give right. you permission to ask because in that way, and when I say permission, it's not really permission. It's really just knowing that you are giving such a great thing that that's the reason you're asking is so that they'll have a great experience. Right. Yeah. I just yeah, think that's well really said. important to make that mind shift. And speaking of mind shifts, you know, we're always talking about having a great mindset and starting our day out right in the day and having some good affirmations that we have. What is your morning routine? How does that help you? That's a great question. I think morning is probably the most important part of the day for me. I always try to get going early, go to the gym. I belong to a great CrossFit gym near where I live. My brain works so much better during the day when I get my blood pumping and, you know, especially on days where we're doing weights, that really does a lot for my mentality. Depending on the day, sometimes I'll do, you know, just energetic music if I'm on my way to the gym. Other mm -hmm. times I'll I'll pop in something from a podcast or just some something that's positive. But I'm really careful about what I let in, you know, especially in times when the market's really tough. Yeah. Uh, I I ramp up on the on the positive stuff. Also, Audible is another really good place that I like to go because you can get books in chunks. And if you even if you've got a short amount of time on the road, you can play a book in like one and a half times the speed. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you, can, you can get in the words a lot quicker in a short amount of time. So that works really good. We have so many different places we can pull positive information from, but it's really important that, you know, what you're allowing to come into your mentality. Um, there are a lot of people that think, you know, listening to music you know, is just kind of entertainment value or whatever, but music has positive and negative messages to it too. It does. Um, so, so I think having, having music that isn't, you know, isn't angry, you know, and, and, and stuff that really is kind of giving a positive message really goes a long way if you're doing music and then, you know, just, just getting after it and, but, but organizing the day ahead of time, having those times blocked out for calls. Um, I live on the East coast but I do a lot of business on the West coast as well, being from Washington state originally. So mm -hmm. I make my calls from 12 to two Eastern and I'm on the call stars calls, uh, but I'm on the West coast call stars because yes. it's the time of day that my people in Washington state are awake and going. So I work through the lunch hour and that works really well for me, but having the morning hours, I can block out an hour or two for a meeting or two, and then still have time to get work done in between emails, all that fun stuff. And, and I think the day, every day there, there with, with call stars, we've got a different, you know, category of calls every single day. Mm -hmm. but then Friday is a day where I like to try to catch up. And sometimes I'll even pop in on a weekend, but not very often. I usually take my weekends off. I try to cut out early um, in the evening so that I'm ready to, you know, go for dinner with my wife. Uh, otherwise, if we're not making time for that stuff, what's it all worth, right? Exactly. Yes. I think success happens in small steps. And so what's one thing that you've taken on since we've been coaching together in the Freedom Club? What's one thing you can think of that had to happen in a little small step? Can you think of anything that we started in small steps? We tried to do bigger steps and sometimes it's easier to start in small steps, atomic habits, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great book, by the way. Really the, the call stars was a huge thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, we were in Puerto Rico and you and I had had several coaching calls about making calls and, and being consistent with them. And then, you know, something would pop in out of left field, you know, I had some appraisal issue that I had to deal with and it would disrupt my calls uh, on one particular day. And then I would spiral and I wouldn't get back to the calls, you know, sometimes for a month. And it's like, come on, who am I fooling? I'm not making these calls. I need to make the calls. It's simple. 
So we signed this goofy little contract in Puerto Rico that I'd be on these calls and it was voluntary, but I'd be on these calls Monday through Friday for that two hour, Monday through Thursday, that two hour window. Uh, and if I didn't, if I missed any, it's a hundred dollar whack on my credit card. Yes. That was, I don't know if I'd say that was small, but it was a series of small steps that led to me signing that because I knew that's what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I guess the the stick is more effective than the carrot. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but that's been really, that's been really, really positive for me. And again, back to that whole motivation manifesto thing. I feel like that's been really doing call stars, being on it, making those calls consistently has really caused me to believe in my word to myself also. It really has so been a lot of small steps, a lot of little, little forward, a little back, little forward, little back. And then I felt like that really catapulted me in the right direction. Yeah. And it starts small, but like you said, you're making promises to yourself. Your word to yourself matters because your word is impeccable with other people, right? You, you will always do what you say you're going to do. But when we don't do that with ourselves, it makes a difference. We, we don't want to be that way with ourselves. And we all have those times where we're not, our word is not impeccable with ourselves, but it is with other people. So we, and, and I think part of that is in going deep, it's in going deep to ask, why am I doing this? What is the reason that I want to be successful? Is it, for my family? Is it for me? Is it for money? Is it, you know, what are the different reasons? And I think you have to know that. Right. Yeah, I agree. You have to know what your motivation is and it's different for everybody. But if you don't know that, then you won't be motivated to do it. So, and it's all different in different parts of our lives, but for you, success is is something that you're always working on. And I, I love that about you because you've got a growth mindset. You're always putting things into action, reading, listening, and then putting things into action, not just reading and listening, but actually putting them into place, which is a big deal because a lot of people will read and they'll listen to things, but they don't do anything with it. I don't know. I just, I think coming from, coming from the place that I came from and I think the mortgage industry is so interesting. It's just, it's fun. And it we're, is. we're dealing with a pretty, pretty important, but a pretty basic need that people mm-hmm. have. And I mean, man, I have, we all have friends that do interesting things that we come across, but I mean, what we do, it's, 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 it straddles a lot of different angles of people's lives. And, uh, and when we do a good job for somebody and they end up with, you know, not only a roof over their heads, but also an amazing investment that's leveraged by other people's money. I mean, how cool is that? Yes, it's pretty cool. Think about it. When you go back to when you first started, one thing you're really good at is VA loans. And so let's talk about what happened to motivate you in that area. Did you have any specific experiences with veterans that really said, man, I really like this? Or did it just start happening organically that you work a lot with veterans? Well, you know, it's kind of a few things. I think right after 9-11, I went into an Air Force recruiting office and uh, talked to them about joining the Air Force, like I think a lot of people did. And I had a, it was my last kind of regular job. I got in the mortgage business in um, May of 03, so I just celebrated 20 years. Mm, But Congratulations. Thanks. But just prior to that, a couple of years, I guess, was when 9-11 happened. And um I was working this job and I was making, I don't know, mid forties income, had a couple little kids and my wife, they said, you know, you're going to have to take a really big haircut on your, on your pay to come in and join the air force. We've got people coming out our ears right now, right after nine 11, you find another way to serve your country. So I was like, okay, <laughs> kind of <laughs> felt bad. I wanted to, but it just, you know, and then it was stuck in my mind the way they said that, like find another way to serve your country. So when I got in the mortgage business, um, I didn't really think about it. And then one day I was exposed to what VA mortgages were, uh, maybe six months into the industry. And I was like, wow, this is a cool program. Nothing down really for veterans and wow. And then I found out there's all these like squishy areas to the VA program. They write some pretty specific guidelines, but then there's some areas that they're pretty vague on. If you get an underwriter that interprets something a certain way, you can get it through. So you know, we were, we were just, I, I was really enjoying, you know, figuring out how that all worked and kind of cut my teeth 
about six months into this whole thing, being located in Western Washington state, where there's a whole bunch of military bases, tons of my family members have served in the military. And it was just something I always had a lot of respect for. Mm -hmm. And I just really connected with that community. I mean, most of my clients have become friends and a lot of them have, have served in the military. And so, you know, you do that for a while and you solve some, you know, really unique problems that maybe other lenders weren't able to get done for people. Mm-hmm. They have big mouths also, thankfully, yes. and they tell their friends and and whatever. And that's just kind of how it's gone. But I love that program. I've, I've always been, a, I think, a student of that program. Spent a lot of time on the phone with the VA regional loan centers, figuring out random different things. One, for example, if you don't mind, I, I can share. It's, uh, I'd love it. It's so... If you have a veteran that has never applied for a service-connected disability rating, but you know as a mortgage lender that they're exempt from the VA funding fee if they are even 10% or more disabled, I always have the conversation with veterans right up front. If we pull their certificate of eligibility and there's no no disability rating, I always will ask them, you know, have you ever, and you don't need to answer this question, but did, did you ever maybe sustain something during your service that might qualify you for even a 10% rating? If so, this is how much you would save. And a lot of times they're like, oh, wow, nobody's told me that before. Mm -hmm. So there's a link that you can send them on the internet where they can apply for the disability rating. If they do that at least one day prior to us triggering their loan application on their VA loan, that grandfathers them in to being eligible to have the VA funding fee unwound from their mortgage balance. So they just have to apply. We go in and we trigger the app the next day or a month later, whenever it is. We close on the loan. They probably haven't gotten a disability rating by then. So they pay the funding fee. It's built into their mortgage. Mm-hmm. Six months, a year down the road, they get their 10% or greater rating. They send it back to me. I back channel it to the VA. The VA does a principal reduction for 100% of the funding fee. We've unwound just my my clients alone last couple of years, almost $100,000 in VA uh, funding fees. Wow. Just by knowing that. It was on this random conversation I had with a, a guy at the VA Regional Loan Center and I was like, wait a minute, can you say that again? And he explained it again. I'd never heard this from anybody. So I hope I hope uh, other people hear that because it's been a real game changer for a lot of my clients. Yeah, so and you're helping a lot of veterans just by sharing that today. That's a big deal. I hope so. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm so yeah. glad you shared that because that's people, $100,000 is what you've seen. Yeah, uh, over 90, veterans. just over mm-hmm. 90 at this point. Yeah, in the last... I found this out like three years ago. So, I mean, it hasn't been in that large amount of time. And a couple of them were, you know, they had served in, so burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan or an automatic 40% if they served around those. Uh, And it's tax-free income for the rest of their lives. It's, you know, it's several benefits, not just the VA funding fee waiver. So that's been a big deal. I've had a couple though, where the approval came so quick from the VA and we sent the paperwork back to the VA to tell them, hey, you know, let's unwind this. They go, that money hasn't even hit our account yet. Go ahead and just ACH it to them. So we've been able to, I had one, one veteran, he's a Marine, served around burn pits in Afghanistan, I think it was. And his funding fee was something like $15,000. And we were able to dump that money in his checking account after closing. Wow. Because it happened so quick. So that was pretty fun. That is fun when you're really helping veterans in more ways than just doing their loan and giving them amazing uh, experience, but this is really adding to the experience. So if you're an expert at something like that, if that's what you do, you can really stand out, especially to veterans, because you're asking them questions that help you stand out to them to show them that you really care. Yeah. And I think you really have to care to begin with for that to be real and you know, thankfully, I think the people that listen to your podcast are people that care. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of good people out there that have put our hearts and souls into this into this industry for the people that are the end users of what we're out there trying to help people with. Yes. Do you have a loan partner who does the loan consultations, structures the loan and converts the buyer to work with you? Or maybe you have a loan partner or a team member that you would like to move into that position so that you can be freed up to go get even more loans. How about a newer loan officer who could benefit from some training in how to convert buyers to work with them? Our client conversion training is very specific to this role. It will help them convert even more clients to work with you and your team. We help you to be seen as a trusted advisor. 
We cover every aspect of converting clients to work with you. They're gonna learn emotional intelligence, what it is and how to utilize it. They'll discover the key to a success mindset. Yep, we go deep on this one. How to build rapport right from the first conversation. How to ask the right questions. How to answer objections. Specific dialogues and strategies to overcome rate shoppers. They're gonna practice live with other class members. And they're gonna also learn how to ask for and receive referrals. How to master the loan consultation with loan strategies that help the buyer make great decisions for their future. Client conversion training will set your team apart when they implement the training that they're gonna receive in our class. It's a virtual interactive class on Zoom with live trainers and your team members can attend from wherever they are as long as they have audio and video. Everyone participates. It's a 10 hour live class divided into two and a half hour sessions from nine to 11.30 on Thursday and Friday for two weeks in a row. Sign up your loan partner today at loanteamtraining.com. You'll find the class on the client conversion training tab. Another thing that I've seen you work through is fear and everyone has worked through fear like either that or they're gone out of the mortgage industry this last two years right, right? this year and last year yeah. before that the fear was in you know in 1920 and 21 well everyone dealt with fear in 2020 and 2021 right. the whole world dealt with fear but i'm talking about mortgage related you know that our business related fear and in 19 and 20 everyone was wondering how they were going to keep up that was what the fear was then how are we going to keep up and people were up all night thinking about how can I keep up with everybody? How can I make sure my clients are taken care of? It's so busy. Rates were so low and it was so busy. And then we just switched over to now, you know, the business wasn't there anymore as easily because the rates went up so fast. And I don't, I think it's unprecedented what happened in 21 and 22 for the rates to just jump up so fast. And then that fear really started from what I could see coaching loan officers is that fear really, really became a real fear. Like not just how am I going to keep up, but how am I going to keep eating? How am I going to, you know, everything yeah. changed so quickly. So when that happened, how did you work through that fear? Just kind of give us some pointers. I mean, I know some of these answers, but I just want you to share <laughs> them with other loan officers so that they can benefit because fear doesn't just happen in hard markets or or crazy markets for different reasons. It happens right. in our lives all the time. I mean, we, we're all going to deal with fear at some point in our lives. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but next week or next month or next year, there'll be fear in different, in different places. So how did, what things did you do specifically to try to work through the fear? I mean, I think what we, what we do day to day is kind of getting after whatever, you know, whatever's in our way. And there's, there's a lot of, stuff that we do that I suppose, you know, you could look at and go, yeah, that's a little scary. But I think, you know, again, the whole one foot in front of the other thing, it's like one of my favorite quotes that my wife turned me on to a bunch of years ago, Teddy Roosevelt, two words, get action. Love it. And I mean, that's what he did when, I mean, the guy, he had some pretty tough stuff happen in his life. He did. You know, his mom and his wife died like right, it might've been the same day. Wow. Like, tragic and his whole thing was you know just get action that was like his mantra and the guy had so much success in his life difficult life by just again putting that foot in front of the other getting going so i think for me it was just you know really trying to trying to make good decisions with what i had to work with you know and sometimes you've just got crummy ingredients to throw in your soup and it's it's slop and you got to figure out ways to try to season it up and figure it yes. out right yeah. Sometimes you got to dump it out and start over. I, I think that's really been the, you know, and, and just trying to keep a real, you know, as positive mental attitude as I can, while also being careful to be real and true and not lie to myself. Um, had, you know, had to make some difficult decisions during those times. But overall, we don't always look in the rearview mirror and go, yeah, I'd do that all over again. Right. You know, but it's all part of our journey, What you know, whatever we've done. And hopefully if we've made mistakes and we all have, we can, you know, hopefully learn from those and maybe make better decisions next round. But I feel like it's been a good season. And, you know, the, um, the, the 2021 and on 
mostly 2021. That was a, I'm not going to lie. That was a rough year. Yes. I'm glad that's in the rear view. I'm mm -hmm. really glad that that year's in the rear view. But uh, I feel like we're in a good spot right now. And, you know, rates aren't that much lower than they were. But at least me and my team, we've we've been real on, really on a growth pattern here over the last few months since mm -hmm. about halfway through the first quarter of this year. It's been really good. Yes. And I'm really thankful for that because it was uh, crickets aren't very much fun when you're in this business. And we, we were mm. hearing a lot of that towards the end of last year so. But you know what I really like about what you did, Tom, is you worked through some fear to be able to to get your loan partner back to because, you know, there was there was some hard times there and some decisions had to be made. But then you you knew what an amazing loan partner she was or is and yeah. worked on bringing yeah. her back. And it wasn't easy because the money wasn't coming in. But you you tell us how you felt about that and why you did it. Because so many people are afraid to hire a team right now or to hire a, an assistant. If, if it's a one-person shop, they're afraid to hire one person. For some of them, they're afraid to add that second or their third person on. But mm -hmm. tell us how you worked through that. Because um, you know the money may not have been coming in when you were doing it. So it wasn't an easy yeah. decision. Yeah, that's true. I was with another, another company last year and uh, I had to lay off both of my assistants that I had at the time. And there was a lot that led into that. Ended up making a change toward the end of last year. And there was no compensation at all for bringing on an assistant. And one of my assistants was really, they were both amazing, but I couldn't bring two back. So best case scenarios, bring one back that I could solve the most uh, as far as the needs that I had to mm -hmm. really be able to ramp things back up again, uh, there was a lot of kind of reinventing that, you know, I had to do. And I had this great loan partner and she had been laid off and she was still available. And I decided that, you know, once after coaching with you, once I was doing a certain number of loans per month on my own, and it was a grind, but once I got there, I was like, okay. I can do this. Then I had, you know, a, a little window there where I barely had enough to, to cover and I ended up having to put her salary on my credit card a couple months yeah. and I got through it and now we're thriving, but mm -hmm. it was, it's one of those things Carl White likes to say, write small checks to cash big checks. Yes. And there's some, some definite fear that goes into making some of those decisions sometimes. I've heard it said, you know, sometimes you have to grow and jump wings on the way down. Yeah. And that's kind of what it was. And I'm really thankful that it, it worked out like it did. And it's a constant journey. You know, we're always, we're either growing or we're dying. And yeah. I think if we're just running in place, chasing our tails, I don't think that's any good way to live. So sometimes you got to take risks and get out on that limb and, you know, see how things go. But what I remember about that situation is that you had so much confidence like the Tom of three and a half years ago may not have made that decision to bring her back because you're, yeah. you're so much stronger now as a business owner, as just, you know, growth that happens over three and a half years. And you had confidence because you knew what a great job she did, number one. And also you had confidence yeah. in your own ability because by that point you put the work in the reps, so to speak, of making the phone calls, writing handwritten notes meeting with people who could refer you, those routines were happening. And so you had confidence that it would continue because you've seen it happen over and over. Every time you do activities like that, you get business in the door. Yeah, it just, that's true. It's a mathematical equation. There's, and, yeah. I, and I don't even like to use those words, mathematical equation, because yes, it is math. Yes, it's in the numbers, but it's more in the relationships. It's more, yeah, you're going to talk to a certain amount of people. You're going to have great relationships with a certain amount of people. And it's going to bring business in the door because you care about people and people can feel that. And that's what makes you stand out to others. Once you started doing those activities regularly and committing to it, that's when things started taking off for you. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. And I mean, that was, that was a big part of it, having that goal of bringing bringing my loan partner back in yes, um, was, was getting to that point. And now it's like, okay, well, there's still 
you know, there's still a fire that that exists under my chair that I sit in while I'm sitting here making calls every single day. It's constantly a grind, but I think it's a grind that I love. I've learned to love. I didn't love it the first time. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. No, I get it. How important do you think is it for your team to be trained? Oh, it's super important. One of the first things I did when I started coaching with you, if you remember, um, is I ran both of my assistants through your loan team training. And it was a really, really positive thing for both of them. And it wasn't just, honestly, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. All I knew is you're my coach. I trust you. And you didn't try to sell me on it, but I was like, I know this has got to be good. So I decided to send them both through it and it helped them in ways that I wasn't expecting mindset, positive mental attitude, you know, just really keeping kind of the, the whole mentality of the team Mm -hmm. forefront, not just the daily grind of doing the day to day and punching a clock. It gets them thinking more about the business and, and having ownership in it, not just being a cog in the wheel. So I think that was super important, getting them training and specific training. Yeah. One of the things that we teach is the communication, how to communicate, how to support your loan officer. That's the biggest thing is getting the buy-in of them supporting you and really getting them to take ownership of their portion of whatever the loan is. And it's almost like, you know, you, you can tell them as a loan officer, you can express this, but what are the odds you're going to do it because you're busy doing other things that are money-making activities and things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it won't happen to the level that, that, you know, loan team training is able to, to put in. It just won't. Yeah. So so I'm really grateful that you you trusted us with that. that Your trust means a lot to us. And so I'm really grateful because there, that's how I got to know your team. It was great to see them. It was great for me too, because it, it helped I think it helped you to be able to coach me better too, because you have a greater understanding on what their situation was, their makeup. I mean, all the, all the stuff that goes into that. There's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So I'm grateful. Thank you for sharing that. And any other training Uh, that they've had, like, do, do you ever have them take any classes from lenders or anything like that? What other, you know? Yeah. I, I always encourage my loan partner to get out there and take any training that, that she can one of the things that I've actually been really wanting to do is get her to, to um, actually come and and meet like the underwriters and go through like in-person processor training, even though yes. she's not a processor, I have another processor as well. I think having that, that training is really powerful. And honestly, she had a lot of training before she came on. She was an underwriter and a processor with previous companies, just really understands how loans work, but there's always changes coming in. Yes. So I'm always encouraging her to take training and I keep, I keep up on, on things myself as well. Um, not just the, you know, the required stuff. I've got 14 states I'm licensed in. So there's a lot that goes into that when the loan programs come in and we get different changes and different things that pop in, there isn't a big, you know, red banner that pops up everywhere that tells you where there's a lot of noise out there. I think you need to really stay focused, but broadly focused. So you can see kind of where, what areas look interesting or could maybe help the most people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's great that you get training for your team. I think it's great that you are, have such a good culture on your team. You do have a great culture. you have a great culture with your clients, with the people that refer you business, the, the realtors, all of the business to business owners that you deal with on a case by case basis. And I I love that. I think it's great. You have diversity, but yet now (laughs) you're really focused in on making sure that you're making calls to the right people and you're doing Mm -hmm. it consistently with commitment and you have your reason, your why, right? You have, right. Exactly. I think it's great. And then I, I just, I love working with you, Tom. I think you're an amazing person. And I wanted to have you on because you have so much enthusiasm for the business. You have so much knowledge in the business and you really are a, a person that likes to give back and help. And I, I wanted people to hear your take on doing BA loans, why you do them. I know that you send out it around Veterans Day. Tell us what you do, like some of the things that you, maybe one or two things you've done during Veterans Day. Yeah. I mean, well, for, 
again, I think just going back to the whole, just being, being grateful for what they've all done. Memorial Day, my wife and I, we usually go to a, a national cemetery and just pay our respects. Had a few clients who've served that have received military honors. And so I was to make a way to uh, go to their, go to their funerals and honor them there. Um, and on Veterans Day, which is the the holiday that we honor our living veterans. And just a bunch of years ago, my wife encouraged me to uh, just start thanking them, you know, for their service, finding something probably not real big. It's something. And, but to them, maybe it's big. I send out a $5 gift card to every mm -hmm. veteran I know, whether they're a client or not. And I'll send it with a, with a little thank you card. And it's not from, not from me as a loan officer, but it's from me and my wife as people. And mm. um, I, I don't, I don't do that to get business, but guarantee you it's resulted in business. Yes. You know, I was looking at it from that perspective, mm -hmm. but um, I think just finding ways to be, you know, have gratitude and just show people that, you know, you appreciate them when they do things that, that means something to you. It goes a long way. Uh, we do that on mother's day, father's day, sometimes a random holiday like St. Patrick's Day, mm -hmm. you know, where we'll just reach out to people and say, hey, you know, thanks for being part of our circle. We, we love you. We love having you in our life and, you know, something like that. Yeah. That goes a long way with people. People love that stuff. It really does. It Because many, like you said, it's noisy. It's, it's busy and it's noisy. We live yeah. in a noisy, busy world. And it's really easy for people to feel like they're getting lost in the shuffle. And so you're showing them in this case, we're talking about veterans, but people can do it in, in all kinds of different people, right? In different diverse ways. So I'm really Absolutely. grateful that you do that because it makes people feel special. And so it's it's a really important thing that you do. And I, I just why I wanted to share it because I, I see every year, I see what you do, but I think it's special. People need to know that we can't get so busy that we forget about the people that really matter. And it's crazy how how digital the world is and how something that used to be a lot more commonplace, like a handwritten note, mm -hmm. you know, was was done all the time. People used to take time to do that stuff. People don't do that anymore. So I think those those, you know, five handwritten notes that that are on our docket every day. Yes. I think those might be some of the most powerful things we can do. I think so, too. Yep. Because not everybody does them. People no. might be getting a lot of phone calls. People might be asked. Uh, people might be asked to meet with them, agents and stuff. But not very many of them are getting handwritten notes from the oh, heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, even the phone calls. Like so many people want to hide behind email and text these days. Yes, picking up the phone and sending a handwritten note. Those personal connections and sitting down with somebody over a cup of coffee. I mean, those are really basic things, but they're not anymore. Like right. they really go above. And I I really love that. You know, that's kind of our format that we do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So Tom, in closing, what words of encouragement do you have for loan officers and other business owners in the current times that we're in right now? And it, right now we're in the beginning of June, 2023. Things are turning around, but what words of encouragement do you have? Well, I, I mean, I, a lot of us, I think in the, in the mortgage industry specifically have subscriptions to services like MBS highway. I, I love that particular one. He's been successful in calling the last three major cycles in the market. And um, I think that says something to people, but I think staying educated on what's going on in the market is really important without letting it bog you down. Yes. If the news is negative, like take it in stride because nothing lasts forever, good or bad. I think just keeping a positive mind, keeping your body moving, which keeps your brain sharp mm -hmm. um, and really trying to focus on the things that you have control over and not being fearful about the things you don't have control over. I think are some things that have really done a lot for me personally and professionally. Yeah. Well, those are, those are great encouragement. So thank you for encouraging with those things. I'm just so grateful for you. I'm grateful that you took time to be here. I know you're busy and, um, but you're never too busy for friends, right? You, that's never. one thing about you. Never Tom. for you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're never too busy for friends. So I appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time and thanks for offering encouragement and some, some tips to loan officers about relationships, about VA loans, about training, 
about all the things that we talked about. It really means a lot that you took time to be here. So thank you so much. Thanks, Irene. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And I hope you got great things from what Tom was talking about. And I know I do every time I talk to him. He's an amazing person. So enjoy the rest of your day and do me a favor. If you know of anybody else in the mortgage business, I would sure appreciate you sharing this podcast with them. It would mean a lot to me. It gets our name out there more, the more people that listen to it. So thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Are you holding off on training your loan partners, your loan assistants, your team members and support staff on how to wow your clients? Are they getting that kind of training from you? You probably plan on training them if you get a few extra hours, but when does that happen realistically? And meanwhile, your team is doing the best they can with the information that they have. But you know, this kind of training really doesn't exist anywhere else. When you do the training, that means you're not as responsive as you want to be with your clients and you're not hitting your closing and income goals as a loan officer. So how much is it costing you to not have a team that's properly trained how to wow clients and referral partners so that they only want to work with you because of the great experience that they're getting? We teach them how to use efficient step-by-step processes and systems that work how to follow up so nothing falls through the cracks and loans close on time and even early, how to build wonderful relationships with clients, how to wow people so they go, man, that was an amazing experience. The members of his or her team are amazing. They're so on it. How to use scripts and dialogues for winning clients, setting expectations and communicating with clients so that you can prevent problems down the road. How to handle difficult clients, how to make clients feel appreciated and valued, and how to handle and overcome objections. It might be time to ask for some help. That's why we're here. Loan Team Training has our next live WOW training coming up. We train your team for you so you can focus on closing loans. Our next WOW training begins August 3rd, 2023. Our sessions are from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time for Thursday, August 3rd, Friday, August 4th, Thursday, August 10th, and Friday, August 11th. Check it out at LoanTeamTraining.com for our next class and see how many five-star reviews we have from past WOW training participants and their loan officers who sent them at LoanTeamTrainingReviews.com. Remember, it's an interactive virtual training with live trainers, and we train any of your support staff that is communicating with clients and referral partners. Check us out and sign your loan partner or team member up at LoanTeamTraining.com.